0: Welcome to the conquering truth i'm dan horn i'm
1: jonathan
2: sides i'm charles churchill and i'm
0: joshua horn a few weeks ago we posted a, a video on voice of the martyrs and how they had uh, provided for molestation and child abuse in nigeria and we got some positive response from that and one of the things that we find the most positive is when somebody writes and says they're going to stop giving to voice of the martyrs because we know that they have funded some really terrible things but then the follow-up question usually is, so where should we give the money? And I think tonight that's what we want to talk about. And I think we would all agree that the right place is the place that God structured to give the money, which is the church, and that that's where we should be doing it. So tonight we want to talk about how, what's special about how the church is structured and why it's structured for this purpose.
2: And so I think you've already said some of it is God designed the church. God designed the local church, he designed it and made it for a purpose. He designed it to, to wield authority. He designed it to, to, to serve a purpose, to fulfill his goals, and so the church is by its nature made by God to be the body of Christ and to carry out a purpose in the world. And, and there's nothing else in the world that can fill the role of the church. Because it was made by God for this purpose, so I mean, I think that's that's just a, a starting point, and there's there is a stark difference between it and any other organization and anything else that man can make that makes it perfectly suited to
0: do this. So, what are the things that make it suited to do these compared to to corporations or whatever that that these ministries that people form?
2: I mean, I think the the first, I mean. There's going to be a lot of them, but one of them that comes to mind just in first place is that God says that the church is a body. I mean, it really is a it is a body that is that is jointly fitted together by Him, that is made by Him. That it you know it is grafted together. It has different parts that serve different purposes, and just like our body is is made of all these different members and yet is one cohesive thing, you know, the, the that is the church. And the church has this capacity and capability everything else is something that was made by man to satisfy man's you know the mind of man or the imagination of man it is at, at best a I want to, you know, I'm trying to think of the best word, I don't know, if a bastardization, a, 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 you know, I mean, it's it's something that's
0: cobbled together man by man. man playing the creator rather than saying God's the creator and that we are servants of his creation and right. in his creation, that we've been given a very important stewardship role, right. but we are creatures and we are not the creator. Right. We need to be really careful when we think that we can come up with something better than what the creator came up with. And he did tell us this is, you know, this is where you're supposed to be be putting your efforts this is who he gave the responsibility and the authority to when he speaks at the in the the great commission i would argue that he's giving that to the church and you know that does come down to individual members having responsibility but in the end it's the church that has the the primary responsibility
2: if you someone told you they were going to make a body your first thought would be Whatever they came up with, there would be an aspect of revulsion, and I, I do think there's just part of it where we need to reset our mind when we think about these things. You know, I mean, I was thinking today, to, you know, whether you want to talk about like the the in horror Frankenstein's monster or something. I mean, but there there should be, there is a level of that's disgusting, that's 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 an abomination in a sense, and so there's just part of it where when we think about other things and we think of them as equal with the church we think of them as equivalent, there is a problem. There is just a problem in our sense of we've accepted that, and I'm not sure that it should be as, I'm not sure that that's exactly the right way to think about it, but I'm certain the right way to think about it is not to go, we can make a body and it's the same as the body that God made. And I think that's, you know, I mean, and so there is, there is a disconnect, I think, just that needs to be gotten over in our mind and a reset.
3: I mean, some of this is referring back to something we talked a couple of weeks ago about in the episode on... Uh, having an industrious home or whatever it was titled, um, that, that God set up certain jurisdictions to do certain things. And we see him set up the church, we see him set up the state, we see him set up the family, the household. And when we try to create our own thing that is separate from that, we end up introducing problems because that's not the way God intended it. Right.
0: And when you think about it, and some churches do this too, but when you think about incorporation, the creating of a body and... You know, when you do that with the ministry, you are creating this separate thing in the state where the jurisdiction is given to the church, the responsibility to teach all nations all things I've commanded you to baptize. That's been given to the church. It hasn't been given to the state. And now all of a sudden the state has gotten involved. And that's, you know, when you cross jurisdictions, that's not how God ordered things. And it usually doesn't turn out very well.
3: I think it might be useful to to at least refer to some of the passages that this is coming from. Like in scripture, like where we see people um, doing ministry that today would be a non-profit thing. Like what what are a few scriptural examples where we see it and it's being done by the institution that God has made?
0: Well, I mean, look at Paul, right? Paul's being sent by churches. He and Barnabas are sent by by, uh, the church in Antioch in Acts.
3: 12? Acts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just reference the whole book of yeah. Acts.
3: Yeah.
0: Their ministry, they feel the obligation to report back to the church, not that they think that they're lone rangers out there doing their own thing. And when you look at what happens with Robbie Zacharias and you look at what happens with VOM, is when they get out there to be doing their own thing with no accountability, it doesn't end well. And the reality is you don't see Paul going, well, I can preach all these places and I don't have to answer to anybody. You see him going to the church in Jerusalem. You see him going to the church in Antioch. You see him in, you know, in various places. He's somebody who's saying, I am accountable to the church. And when you create a, a corporation, the reality is you're accountable to the state primarily.
3: And another one I think that comes to mind is when they're giving, when 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 Paul's going to churches to to collect money and saying, make sure you have the money collected so I can take to give to these people who are to these fellow Christians who are in need. And I, and there you have, um, the way that that's set up is it is through the church. He's writing to the church saying, collect the money, and then they're giving it to someone that they know to take it to people that he knows. So there's not like some you know, a bunch of layers. I mean, they the church is the one who's doing it and is giving it to someone that, you know, helps start the church. That they know personally that they, you know, have as much accountability as they can have with someone who is, you know, traveling the world. And they're the, sen- sending and it off with the him.
1: The amount of deduction of that for administrative purposes is going to be very, very small. Right, right. Zero.
3: <laughs> and th- no fundraising uh, allowances
1: right, from that either. Right,
0: right. And... And when you think about that right i mean when you look at these ministries that have one one aspect to them rather than the church all of a sudden you are going to have more administrative costs the reality is that a church is doing a bunch of things so it has infrastructure in place right they're already meeting to hear the preaching of the word they're already having the Lord's Supper. They're already, you know, they're having the agape meal. They're meeting together.
2: They're already collecting tithes. They're They're already (laughs)
0: collecting tithes. So all of a sudden you add this other thing, and it's not this whole, let's build an administrative infrastructure to do this. It's, this is what we do as a church, and we're just doing what the church was created to do and meant to do, and we're just doing it and expanding what we're doing, but it's an expansion. It's not a new thing, so your overhead isn't going to be nearly as high as if if you create a new thing.
2: I mean one of the things that we talked about in the on the ministry of the home discussion was how that there's so many components of the home that have moved into the corporate environment. And one of the things that's also happened is the as churches have become as churches have ceased to do these type of things, churches have started to become more like corporations as well. And I mean in one of the, you know with the pastor as CEO and you know and the, and the deacons as like a you know executive board and, and the truth is is the church the whole church is what has authority. I mean even, you know, and and there's this part of it where it's been there's been this there's this lost idea that the whole church body is what has the has the authority. And and that the the church I mean and I, and I mean and I'm not talking the global church, the universe. I mean obviously that's true too, but I mean a local church that the congregants the, the elder, the deacons, all of them together are brothers and sisters in Christ who've been put in a place and the accountability that comes together by these people knowing doctrine and understanding things and working together and being fitted together, they hold each other accountable and that is a much stronger accountability than pastor a CEO who wants to go and do something and no one can question him and you know what I mean that that's 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 a real difference. And but you don't see it as long as the church is imitating these third party organizations that have been created. And
3: where where the power comes from in the church body sounds like a whole nother series of podcasts. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty broad topic. It is but I
0: but one of the things that I would say is that it's important to recognize this was deliberate. This wasn't accidental. You know, President Johnson, there he was widely preached about against when he was was running for office. And so to be vindictive against the church. He passed regulations and made it so that you could become tax-exempt and shifted it to the state. It wasn't accidental. It was shifting to the state so that the state could control the speech of churches. And so when we think about it and we think of that perversion, that's not just kind of we wandered into it. No, that was attack on the church, and the church accepted it because they thought that they'd save money and they'd get greater deductions. And so they willingly said we will shift it to the state and then, you know, you shouldn't be surprised if then your structure shifts to be the structure the state wants and the state likes the the board of directors, it likes the CEO, it likes the you know that you have people that have authority that have a specific authority so that they can sign things And the state likes that and I'm not saying it's a bad order for state things it's not the people who work for a corporation they don't have power they have power over themselves and they can quit Right. But that's not the way the power is supposed to be in the church. The church itself, the body, has power.
3: And so now, when you're talking about this, this is the 501c3 thing, right? Right. This, that's the that's the that's the that's the, uh, the thing that you're talking about. That was instituted as an attack on the church. So you were talking about how some of this is is deliberate and it's an attack on the church. Uh, and I think some of it too is also is a drift I and mean, is the church is trying to make things more efficient. Like we were talking about Paul and how he was sent out from a church. And I think it's reasonable that you know multiple churches. I mean. There's a lot of small churches that don't have a lot of extra money. If multiple churches get together and send out a missionary. And I think, you know, I think that that could be very valid. But then people ended up doing that and they end up forming huge missionary organizations where they don't have very much connection with all the things they're funding. And so some of it is an attack and some of it is kind of a drift and trying to do things to make it more efficient and ending, ending up creating a system that is pretty far from where you started.
0: Right, the attack was very specifically to shift it into the state. But you're right, back in, I think it was 1810, 1820, is where they started to do the foreign mission societies. And there was even a split among the Baptists, right? I mean, that's where the primitive Baptists came from, as they split off and they said, the church has the responsibility. They're not supposed to be doing this. They're not supposed to be delegating it to a third party. And most of the Baptists said, we'd rather delegate it to a third party, it's easier. So I do think that drift has gone on for a long time And so the state saw the ability to shift it into the state, but it's because the church had already weakened, and the church wasn't being firm in the position. So people in the pew said, yeah, this is a good idea.
1: I mean, just dialing us way back to really basic principles. If all you had was your Bible, and you were looking at, well, what are the sorts of things that ministries do that I would like to contribute my funds towards? And it'd be things like care for the poor, spread of the gospel, charity, all all those kinds of things, just put them all in a basket, and, and then go to your Bible and say, where did God give the authority to do these particular sets of acts? Which particular organization, group, individual, where does my Bible say that somebody should be doing these things? If you really believe that Scripture is sufficient for all things— then you can look at your Bible and say, well, what is the responsibility for spreading the gospel? Where does that belong? And then, you know, when you when you come up against what God says, it's it's going to make it harder for these inventions to continue to have legs.
0: If people are willing to, to do the work to do that, or to, not to do the work to check their Bibles, but to actually say, this is significant enough that... I have to do the work in the local church. And it's the same issue that when we talked about in the household as an industry, right? It's the same thing. Well, it's easier to delegate it to the state and have them train our children and have them teach them how to work and have them, instead of saying that was given to the fathers and they have the responsibility to do it, but – the reason the state can do it is because the fathers don't want to do it. They're lazy. And the reason that the the church has given a lot of these things to to ministries is because the people in the churches don't want to do them. It's easier too to lazy. outsource. It's easier to outsource. And, and, there's and a... to Joshua's point, there is an efficiency aspect there, too, as you go, oh, look, it's a lot more efficient than us having to call five churches and say, well, each of us will do 20% to send this missionary. But fundamentally, it's such a huge difference. I mean, it's such an incredible difference because— when a mission, missionary organization does it like the SBC has, the Southern Baptist Convention has the International Mission Board. When the International Mission Board sends them, they have no doctrinal requirements, which right. means they can teach whatever heresy they want and all of a sudden you're sending money into the SBC and you're funding the spread of heresy. I mean, this is a major problem, but if you have a group of churches that all get together and they know the person and they're checking on the person all of a sudden, you have accountability, and all of a sudden you can say, "Wait a second he 's gone off into heresy we 're not sending him back right but you can 't do that when you 've created this other organization that has its own its own life that 's separate from the church
2: I think that 's one of the things that you have to another thing you just need to change in your mind is the primary thing that 's needed frequently isn 't money I mean money isn 't the core thing that 's needed first and foremost and, and this is i mean like you can think about it like you said it 's easier to outsource." There's this part of it where for years people have been giving money to the schools, like public schools. They've been giving huge amounts of money to the schools.
0: And keep increasing.
2: And then coronavirus hits, and people all of a sudden get an insight into what's been going on with their money. And they go, it's not, the job that's being done isn't that good— and there is this, but but if it's, that's one of the, that's one of the values of outsourcing is you don't even have to examine what's actually being done. And there's this illusion that a lot is happening because all this money is moving around. Part of the disillusionment with VOM is we gave all this money. What does scripture say that, that the root cause of, of, you know, the root cause of sin is the love of money. And so money isn't, money isn't the, the the fundamental solution. Instead, you you know, and this is part of the thing that I really thought it was when i when my fear was when we tell people, what should you do? The local church should do this. Their immediate response, I know what my response would have been five years ago. It would have been, the church can't do these things. We're not equipped. We're not capable. The people aren't ready. And I think there's this part of it where that they're right. But the answer is, is so what needs to happen is is we need to spend time building. The churches need to start spending time building themselves up to become more capable.
0: But But I want to step back from that because it's— yeah, you know, the scripture says it's the opposite, right? Which is 1st Corinthians 12. He says he's given the church everything that it needs. And so it's a lie. Right. When you say to yourself right. the church doesn't have what it needs, you're actually contradicting scripture. Right. Because God said he put all the things in that body that are needed. And so people have to stop going, God messed up in creating the local church. He didn't. Right. And what happens is that where you have a local church that has all the gifts that are needed to do all the things that it should be doing, all of a sudden we take this to an organization that doesn't have the same promises. When you have an RZIM or you have a voice of the martyrs, there's no promise to them that they'll have all the gifts that are needed. And so their scope becomes this one thing, and only that one thing, and that creates real problems because it doesn't have the other balancing nature that it should have, right? I mean, a church, a local church is going to— They send missionaries, but they also have preaching. They also have fellowship. They also have Bible studies. They also have prayer times. They also do all the other work that God put a group of people together so that it's a picture of Christ. It's the body of Christ. Instead of an individual's ministry, in the end, it's always going to come back to this is that individual, his gifts, his talents. If it's an RZIM, it's it's all about apologetics. Nothing wrong with apologetics, but it's – a very you know, to go back to your picture of a body being created, this is a body that is really not sustainable and not right not something that could be alive it doesn 't have a life right? it doesn 't have a life because it's a hand can 't be a hand by itself right and when we do these external ministries, we end up with these we have a hand laying around and then we 're surprised that the hand can 't do other things and that it doesn 't have the checks and it doesn't it can 't do discipline it doesn 't have the right people to go. There were plenty of people at RZIM that knew enough about Ravi Zacharias and what was going on that they should have stopped him before he died, but yet they don't because they're not a church, and they're not. There's no promise that they'll have everything they need.
2: And if they and if they stopped, or if they stopped Ravi, everything they were died, because you know, what I mean, because the church has an independent life of any particular ministry. The church has an independent life. The church is doing something, and so if they realize that something's going on over here, it's not the end of the world if that stops or if that guy stops doing it because that's not their whole purpose. That's not who they are. That's not what they are. And the I mean, church
3: has an independent life beyond a local body as well. Even right. if a local, local you know, body of the church goes away, the, the church lives on.
1: Yes. When, when Ravi Zacharias' name is on the outside of the building and Ravi Zacharias has a problem, there's a conflict of interest with inside that body of dealing with the problems with robbie zacharias the man because of robbie zacharias the organization right whatever name your church has jesus christ's name is on the outside of the building right. and there's no problems with him and there won't ever be the only
2: problem with him is if you're not willing <laughs> to say there's a problem with this guy over here then you have a problem with jesus christ because he has a problem with you
3: and I don't think we're suggesting here that, you know, run all your ministry through a church and all your problems will be solved. You can go easily through, you know, confronting people and sin. Everything will work itself out easily. I mean, that by definitely not true. And if you've been around in churches a long time, I think everyone recognizes that just because it's you're doing things in a church doesn't mean it's going to go smoothly. But you cannot expect things to go well if you're not following the way God is, is telling you to do it. So, you know, if we're looking at ways to— to say why, why are there these scandals in VOM, RCIM, all these, all these various people that fall. I mean, the first thing to look at is the way they were set up was it, was it biblical, or what they were doing biblical. And here we're saying, here's a, here's, a, here's a way we can identify that they weren't doing these biblically, and here's some ways that we can see that you inherently are losing things by doing it as a non rather than as a church.
1: I mean, between what you and Dan said, there's so many really hefty things there that it's worth slowing down and unpacking some more. I mean, the the big one on the table that we've introduced is this idea of accountability. And you, you talk about, well, God gave certain jobs to the Church, but He gave the Church a particular kind of structure, too. He gave it a leadership structure, and He gave it a discipline structure. And I mean, you can go to various different places in the Bible and find the really particular steps that you take when you're dealing with discipline of members of a church. And it's all laid out. I mean, it's it's almost in handbook form for you, and it's not that hard to collate those passages if you need to. There are ways of dealing with problems, because, I mean, any kind of, anytime you get a bunch of humans together, you're getting a bunch of sinners together, which means you're going to have sin, which means you have to deal with sin. Right. And God created this organization, and he gave you structure and methods of dealing with sin. Now, you can go out and you can create your own organization, and you can try and do that. You can try and come up with methods of dealing with sin within your midst. But if it's not the one God made up, it's something that you made up, and it's eventually going to fall apart.
0: And I think, you know, when you talk about that, right? I mean, the rod was given to the family, the sword was given to the state, and the keys were given to the church. So even forgetting the fact—and I'm not disagreeing with anything you said about the importance of the procedures that are in Scripture— God says, if you, do, if you do these things in my name, I will consider it as done. And so he's saying there is real authority that's been delegated to the church. And there is no third-party ministry that will ever have that because God didn't give it to them. So even forgetting procedures, because you could have an RIZIM that tried to imitate the procedures, but it doesn't have the keys. It can't lock somebody out. It can't say you're no longer in the church. It can't turn anybody over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It cannot do it. It's not possible because God didn't give him the authority.
2: It wasn't given the authority to speak to the state. It wasn't given the authority. You know what I mean? Like, Ravi.
1: I mean, really, really big things. I mean, if you, just talking about church discipline, the most extreme form of it is excommunication, which means keeping somebody from communion. Well, communion is something that the church, and only the church, has the authority to practice. And so if you don't have that one thing at the at the extreme end that you're keeping somebody who's in really serious sin out of, then whatever sort of discipline and punishment you're coming up with for your organization are going to... Be leave of absence. I mean, <laughs> it's usually firing,
0: not of right. the person who did the sin, but of the person that brings it. I mean, we right. should be honest. That's usually what happens. Right, as people are removed. I mean, I have a, I know a few names of people that, according to their testimony, they were forced out of VOM because they tried to raise issues inside Voice of the Martyrs. What they did to Zingac. It's what they did to Zingac. And there, I have a lot. There, I have two or three witnesses, and they definitely did that to Zingac. And so. And when we think about it, too, I mean, you, you mentioned this in passing, and I want to go back to it, too, which is we just have to recognize the level of, of pressure on somebody to conform when the organization is all about the guy whose name on the outside. Because it's really easy to sit back and go, well, you know, I would be bold and do that. But the reality is it's hard. It's really hard. And, and all of them do the same thing. I've been involved in another ministry that, that you know, scandal, and, you know, he was going around and telling people, but, but I affect 400,000 families in the United States. If you shut down this ministry, think about how negatively they'll all be impacted. They'll turn from these teachings that have been such a blessing to them. You can't say anything or you'll destroy all these people that you've been sacrificing, at least the... Opinion of most people working at these ministries is they've been sacrificing to help people And now all of a sudden you're going to destroy these people that they were giving their life to help So even somebody who's sitting there in, you know that they're not evil. They're trying to do good It's a really persuasive argument. It should be ignored because it's a false argument But it's still an argument that they go you're right. I don't want all my life's work to be thrown away And you can see that somebody like RZIM where you have people that find out about it and they go, but look at how many people have been persuaded. Look at how we've trained so many people to make arguments against Muslims. Look at all this. And that will all go away if we expose Ravi Zacharias. Well, no it won't. First of all, if it's done on the Word of God and if it's based on the Word of God, it's not going to go away because it wasn't the strength of Ravi Zacharias, it was the strength of the Word. But the other thing is, if it does go away, it should, because it was a structure that was like the Tower of Babel that was built to take the place of what God put in place. Right.
1: And it's, re- it's a really hard position to be in if your livelihood depends on the existence of that ministry and you're the whistleblower. I mean, anybody in, in the business world knows that. If you find something about your company that could bring the company down, it's, it, you're faced with a really difficult conflict. I mean, you know there's the right thing to do, but if you do the right thing, you suffer a lot of consequences. If you win, you lose your job and your your income. If you lose, you lose your job and your income. Do I say anything or do I be silent?
0: Right. And there's a, there is one difference, that the government has all kinds of laws to protect the whistleblower for a large company. I mean, if you're listed on the stock exchange and you're a whistleblower, you're not going to get fired. It's too hard to fire you. But that's not true for religion. They just go, hey, it's a religious organization. We have no responsibility here. We, I mean, those laws don't apply. So the whistleblower in a corporate setting, a, a traditional corporate setting, has a lot more protection than a guy who's working for Voice of the Martyrs and says, I found all this sin. You need to deal with it. No, he's going to get fired and have no recourse because the courts are just going to say, you know, it's, it's religious. So, you know, freedom of, religious, freedom of religion, we can't get involved. It's a church discipline matter. So yeah, when you think of that person who is does find something out and he goes, well, all the people I work with are going to be angry. Because they all think that they're doing good work and now all of a sudden they're all going to lose their jobs. I'm going to lose my job. My family's not going to be able to provide for itself because most scandals in corporation don't make the corporation disappear, even if it's with the CEO. They just replace it with somebody else because it's it's its mission is not just to further the mission of one man. So, you know, the big scandal with the head of General Motors, guess what? They just hire another CEO and move on. But that's not true with RZIM. And, you know, Voice of Martyrs was able to do it, but a lot of ministries can never do that after right. Tom White's suicide. But but when you, you look at these things and you kind of say, you know, that's a lot to put on somebody, to have that expectation that they'll stand in that gap. Not that Biblically, they should trust God, and I'm not, I'm not excusing them. They have a duty to do it, but we should be realistic in our expectations, and God is realistic in the expectation for the church, and he didn't put the church in the same way because the authority isn't in that one man. The authority is in the congregation, and because the congregation has authority, the congregation can rise up and speak and put that one man out and still have a life of its own because it's not all the embodiment of that one
1: person. And it shouldn't be about the work of that one person either. If it is, then that's a serious problem. If it's not been about the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God, then you've got real problems. Right. right. And those, those need to be solved.
3: And I think one, one, one uh, little interesting thing here is that, uh, to my understanding, Voice of the Martyrs USA a few years ago orga- reorganized themselves as technically a church. So... And so, when we are saying, "Send money to a church," it doesn't mean VOM even though they're calling themselves a church, and I guess it's you know maybe their' chapel service, they're saying it's a church, and then that, that I don't whatever that changes their filing requirements or something. but
2: if you attend VOM as your church, <laughs> if you go to VOM,
0: maybe you should give money to VOM.
3: You should be going to that church. <laughs> yeah,
2: maybe
3: you should re- reconsider.
0: <laughs> I'd ad- advocate reconsidering that pretty strongly. But. Right.
3: but there's a lot of ways you can set up churches. You know, whether as just a shell to cover what you're doing, right. or you know, all the way up to there's a whole range of how your church can be set up. And so, as we're talking about these things of here's the advantage of a church, um, if if you say, well, my church is all about one man. I mean, that's 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 something that need, that you know you need to search the scriptures and see why is that so and how can that be changed.
0: And, and it is important to remember that God is a jealous God, and he will not share his glory with another, and that's a, that's a big deal. And when even if it's a local church that you know at least has the term church on the outside, but if it's all about the glory of one man rather than the glory of Christ and the glory of the Holy Spirit and God the Father, I mean, that's a major problem. And they should expect God's wrath upon them, not, oh, we, we'll bless you, and they, they look and they gather more goats right? Because they get a bigger and bigger congregation of people that are worshiping this one man, and they go, oh, look, this church is, so th- is thriving. No, it's dead. It's not thriving. If the focus is on one man rather than on Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, regardless of how many times he says it from the pulpit, if he thinks he can be a dictator of the church, he thinks he's the head of the church, and he is the head of his church, but his church is not the bride of Christ. Right.
1: And God will deal with that. God will deal with that either by destroying the church, or God will deal with that either by by removing that man and reforming the church.
0: And that's one of the big differences between a ministry and, and the church, is because the church is given the name of Christ, because it is the bride of Christ. And he says, you know, do not take my name in vain. If you take my name in vain, I will not hold him guiltless, who takes my name in vain. And so he promises that he'll deal with those who take his name in vain by saying we're the bride of Christ when they're not. He doesn't make the same promise for, I mean, read 2 Peter 2. He says that you know, false, false professors will rise up that are teaching false doctrine and they'll lead many after themselves. And they'll be there for a while and then their destruction will be swift. But God sets up these people to lead the goats away from the sheep. But his sheep, he will, he will protect his name. He will protect his, his, his people.
1: It sounds like what you're saying is that the Church can survive a scandal. The true Church will come out of a scandal, what looks like a scandal to the world, what the world's going to call a scandal, what the Church is going to call a scandal. God will protect his Church, and, and the scandal might actually even be good for the Church because it's exposing sin, and that's never a bad thing light
0: is good that's a really important concept that so many churches forget especially in terms of church discipline we need to do a series of podcasts on church discipline sometime but light is good and darkness is evil when you hide the works of darkness you are participating in them and when you expose them you're doing a good work and the church can expose it and the sin was already there so it is always a blessing to the church when it's exposed because that's the only way to get rid of it. Because the promise of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 5 is that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's not like it just sits there and doesn't do anything. When you leave it in darkness, it grows and it fills the whole thing. And, and God says, I'm gonna protect my church. I'll deal with my church. They are my people. He's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna forsake us. He's not gonna to, going to judge us like he judged Israel and Judah and divorce us. He's not gonna divorce the church. And that's a promise that, that is totally different than a promise for any ministry. You know, we've talked about how hard it is in ministry to, to hold the guy accountable, that if you, if you bring him down, right, if you expose his sin, that it's going to destroy the whole organization. And, you know, it's not easy in a church, but one of the things that I think is worth talking about is, so how do you do this in a church? Because churches are supposed to do this. And how do you do it with elders? And how do you do it with the leaders of the church?
3: I mean, that sounds like a great hour-long episode to me. <laughs>
2: Scripture actually does lay out, almost in handbook form with some of these things, how they're to be dealt with. And I, I do think, like you said, we should do a, a thing on church discipline. I do think the church sometimes gets too formulaic in saying there's only one model for dealing with things. but, I mean, but the church does I mean, the church body has an obligation to hold the leaders accountable and they're given the power to hold the leaders accountable. I mean, when we when we formed our church, we were looking through constitutions, and one of the things I started doing was looking through a lot of church constitutions. And it's been a very common trend in the past I don't know, 80 years that more constitutions are written to give almost absolute authority to elders. And that's and that didn't used to be true, and that's definitely not true from scripture. That the church body really has authority to. I mean, you as our elder, you're an older brother, and you're a sheep. You, you know, what I mean, and you're 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 not a different category of citizen. You're not a different class of citizen.
0: There are some pro- are more equal than others, <laughs> <you're in like. laughs> right?
2: But there are there are some protections that elders have, so they're not so scurrilous accusations aren't brought against them. But fundamentally, they're they're just an older brother. They're just another sheep in the church, and that's re- that's a really important thing that the church actually has the authority to deal with to deal with its leaders, because the only true leader and head of the church is Jesus Christ. They're, everybody else is an under shepherd. Everybody else is replaceable.
3: I think one thing that that was kind of, you kind of just touched on is uh, th- that help with this is plurality of elders uh, and which you look in the scripture and that's kind of the, the model that's put forth. And it's important to acknowledge that, you know, you go to our website, we, at the moment we don't have plurality of elders, but we right. do say that that is the ideal. It doesn't mean that every church that you're not a church if you don't have plurality of elders, but that, that's the way that God, that's the ideal that God puts before us. And that, that you know, in terms of removing a leader because of sin, I mean, that is not hard to see why a plurality of elders is going to be a big help with that.
0: And sometimes it's a harm with that, too. And in my experience is that it's not guaranteed to be a help either because of all these things. There's sin everywhere, and man's sin everywhere. But, you know, in First Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says in chapter 5, 19, and 20, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. And it's really important I've, I've seen ministries or churches that put so much emphasis on not two or three witnesses, so you can't even discuss it to find out if there are other witnesses. It's just the event has to be that you see two or three people. Other, But the point here is, is like you said, to protect the, the elder against spurious accusations. But the reality is it's really important for the church, too, that if he is sinning, rebuke him in the presence of all. There's nothing faster to cause sin to go through a whole church than an elder sinning that people know about and nothing happens. Because if it's acceptable, if he can get away with it, everybody in the church will think that they can get away with it, and that's what always happens. And so it's easy to read this on one side and go, oh, yeah, there's a protection against the elder. Don't receive it unless you have two or three. But it says, when they are sinning, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may fear. And this is how you knock down the leaven that can't happen in a ministry like RZIM or Voice of the Martyrs.
2: I mean, one of the important things. It's, I mean, it's not core to this, but I mean, when it says the rest also may fear, I mean, that is what happens. I mean, and I mean, and every time we've ever been involved with any form of church discipline, the the body having to wrestle with this issue causes fear to fall upon the whole congregation. Because what happens whenever somebody, when you have to deal with something, is is you're always thinking to yourself, "This could be me," and there's this part of it where your your goal should always be. I wanna deal fairly with this person in front of me because this could be me. And I wanna look at myself and ask myself and say, What's going on in my life? Because this could be me. I mean and and so it really does cause fear to fall. Like I said, in a very I mean whereas when you look in corporations, a lot of times what happens is, is people know what fear falls across them is I wonder if I'm gonna get if I'm gonna get blamed for this. Am I gonna become the scapegoat for this? Am I gonna become and because the decisions made by powers you know by higher as opposed to the congregation having to make the decision and and this having to be discussed I mean those those are just they're just really big differences And, and it causes a it causes a shift in the way that that discipline happens
0: and it it causes accountability before discipline too right I mean part of what happens in a case like RZIM and Ravi Zacharias is somebody can go out there and do something and people can see it, but they all go, well, it kind of looks questionable, but I don't really have any authority here. I don't have any responsibility. Oh, well, and nobody's saying, you know, this, I'm gonna hold him accountable. And I watched this with Voice of Martyrs when they were they were doing events. We'd call the churches that they were doing events at, and we'd go, they're coming, and they're doing this, and this is what they're doing over in Nigeria. You're supporting this, you're sponsoring that. And they go, well, you know, We invited them, and we don't really have any authority over them, and maybe we won't invite them ever again, but, you know, it's too late. We invited them, and we don't have any authority over what they do. And what was pretty shocking to me was all the—I say all, and it may not be all, but the vast majority of the churches that we contact, the answer was kind of like, well, yeah, that's bad, but— What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, well, it's not really our job. In Think about that. When all these churches are regularly giving money to voice the martyrs, but they all in the end go, somebody else will hold them accountable. It's not our job. We're only sending $1,000 a month. It's not our job to hold them accountable. But the church, it works very different because the church says, we gotta hold this guy accountable that's among us because his leaven will spread. And, and if a church supports Voice of the Martyrs by sending $1,000 a month or whatever, and Voice of the Martyrs collapses, it doesn't affect that church that much. But if you have somebody who you're holding accountable and you allow that sin to stay in your church, there's the promise of Scripture that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump and you are going to suffer for it. That's a promise. You're going to suffer for it. This is why you're supposed to put the evil out from among you. And so all of a sudden it is... You have, a, you have responsibility, and you have real reasons to exercise that responsibility that just isn't true when it's a third-party ministry.
1: I mean, hey, for example, when we, you talk about a church doing ministries under the auspices of a church, it's something that can be done, and we're trying it out and we'll see if this actually works but the conquering truth podcast is not a podcast done by a ministry it's not an independent organization it's not even in a sense four guys getting together right. with microphones this is the conquering truth podcast is a really intentional extension of the work of Reformation Baptist Church this is a ministry arm and because of that we can be held accountable by our church if we say something that we shouldn't say, we want and expect our Church congregants—we want them to be listening, on the one hand—but if they <laughs> hear something that's wrong, if they hear us deviating from Scripture, if they hear us proposing errors, we want them to point those out to us.
2: If they hear us teaching contrary to the Second linda Baptist Confession, right. which is the stated position of the Church—I mean, you know, if if somebody external hears us teaching contrary to the Second Land Baptist Confession, and you want to email the Church.
1: That is so much more valuable and important to us, and so much more likely to make us change what we say than a thousand YouTube comments. Right.
0: But there are probably other people in the Church that read the YouTube comments, so we'd probably hear about it if somebody made a good comment, too. But, right,
1: sure, sure, and, but that's one of the ways. Right, that,
0: exactly. It's The, the issue is, is there are a group of people that will hold us accountable.
1: Yeah, so, we, we yeah. would expect that... If we get off track, that the church... Really
0: far off track. We're always off track a little bit, but...
1: (laughs) You know what I mean. If If we get off track, which we just did, then (laughs) what's going to happen is the church is going to rise up. If things are working right, the church is going to rise up and the church is going to say, no, this is error. This is not the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You need to come back to that. And you either need to pull down that video, you need to make a retraction video, you know, there are various different ways that we as podcasters could repent of podcast sins, but but it's something that, you know, what we're doing here is an exercise of the Church.
2: I mean, and there's—I think one of the things we should talk about, too, is when you think about accountability, I think people often—people always think about the worst-case scenario. They always go to the worst-case scenario. But accountability actually happens, in most cases, in really small ways, we're all held in check by lots of little things. And there's this part, it's like when people talk about, like, like if, you, if you reinstituted stoning or the death penalty for adultery or for certain things, you'd be killing people all the time. And the truth is, is no, you wouldn't. Because, like, if you ever had to stone someone, if you ever had to stone someone for adultery, It would change the way you viewed your relationship to every person you ran into from that point on for the rest of your life when you saw your friend look at a girl that you know and and flirt with her you'd go what are you doing what are you doing i don't want to
0: have to pick up a stone and throw right i
2: i had to someone had to be killed i had to help kill them because of their sin what are you doing and so and and that is what happens i mean because When we're talking about someone holding us accountable it would happen usually with just somebody at church going i heard you guys talking about something what did you mean by that and just the fact that someone's going to ask you that question i mean at the end of every service we have a time of interaction where men in the church can ask questions and that holds the elder accountable, it holds each other accountable. I mean, I've grown up in churches where if a pastor stood up and said certain things, no one's going to say anything to him. But if you have this time of interaction where people can stand up and say things, all of a sudden the pastor doesn't feel as free to float some personal theory that he really, you know, I was just thinking that maybe, you know, and he just starts saying stuff and afterwards people are going to, wait a minute, you said this and this doesn't match up. That's how people are held accountable. And so when you're talking about accountability, it becomes, it grows down into the aspect of the culture of the society that you're creating. And it becomes really small things, this this web that holds you in place. And that is what the church does. And that's and that's very different from an organization because the organization. It's not everybody holding it together. It's this top-down approach, and it's very, very, very different.
0: And the church almost always does that, even churches that are not healthy, right? There's always, or almost always, I don't know of a case where there isn't. I guess you could look at the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation and say there's a case. But in most churches, there's a point where if they knew that this is what the pastor is doing, the church would rise up and remove him.
3: They would. Or the church would disappear. Or the church they would disappear. They,
0: right. They could if he had such power and his structure it was structured in such a way that they didn't have power, but they would leave and it would disappear. And and that's just not true for corporations. And so we should just recognize that even even churches that aren't being faithful and applying the scriptures as they ought to in terms of church discipline, there's still a level there. There's still a level there they go. You know, this person molested my daughter, this pastor. I'm going to do something about it. Right. Cause,
3: cause most and it may be people, half
0: the people might even say, well, we're not going to say anything. It's too embarrassing. But there will be some people that rise up and say something.
3: Because, I mean, we, we already talked about this. But, but we'll, just, just to loop back to it is the people in the company are paid to be there churches very few churches are people paid to be there now i think we've seen you them pay before, to be there but there are there are <laughs> churches where they pay you to be there but that's very rare most churches you do not get paid to be there so that is an inherent incentive that you do that you have in the corporation to not talk about things that you do not have in a church
0: and uh, there was a church in in uh ecuador right yeah that's that's the, that's the one i was talking about <laughs> there's a yeah. church in ecuador that joshua and i went to that the people were paid to be there that they got a bag of groceries if they stayed to the end of the service and my answer when i stood up and preached is you need to flee this place this is not a church you should expect god's wrath to be poured out here because if you're being paid to go to church then it's not a church and you shouldn't think you're going to church go find a church right
2: In a in a church that's in a church, that's the way God talks about it. You're a partaker of the work. You're, I mean, you're if you're going to church, your 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 life is tied up and your energy is tied up in the church. You're partaking of the blessings of the church, but you're but you're giving. It's costing you to be there.
0: And hey, this is while we're talking about holding people accountable, I should mention that somebody in Nigeria held me accountable on something that I said on the first voice of the martyrs podcast that I referenced the wrong trial. I said it was that Isaac died before he testified with the trial of Susan and Zipporah, but it was really the trial with Fide and Nawaj, And and so, you know, people are watching, people are listening, they contact, and we should go, hey, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And so that we, you know, it's not that you let things hot, you hide things and you just go, oh, yeah, I don't want my mistakes to be known. That's not, that's not what the church should be like. You know, there is another... Ministry that that Reformation Baptist Church participates in that I think is worth talking about because um, Talking about the structure of it in particular because in Nigeria in order to bring things in You really have to be registered with the state of Nigeria and so uh, we have a the equivalent of a 501c3 which we've just been talking negatively about we have the, an NGO a registered corporation in Nigeria and so you know, we spent a lot of time figuring out how do you structure that so that you don't have these same problems. And the primary way we structured that was we said, well, the government is forcing us into this position. But the way we structured that was still to have a majority of the board members on that NGO that are all members of one church, in case we are able, which is our prayer that we can turn it over to Nigeria at some point. But, you know, there can be ways, that, and that might not be the perfect solution, and I'm not you know, going, everybody follow this solution, but we should really be thinking about this, and churches should really be thinking about how do we work around the government structure, because they are the civil magistrate that we're supposed to show honor to, that we're supposed to submit to. And so when it's structured like that, you know, you have to think outside the box and say, how can you structure it so that you get the benefits of still being part of the structure of the church?
3: I think it's worth giving a disclaimer. So we just mentioned that we had a uh, NGO in Nigeria and we are not mentioning that to say send us money. In fact, you know, at at the moment we are not wanting for money. We're more wanting with the ability to manage what we're doing in Nigeria. And so we're not soliciting or even necessarily accepting. accepting donations from people. So the the, the point of this is not it's just not a, a sleazy way to say, well, donate to your church and well, reformation, but no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not asking for money. So that, we well, make yeah. that
1: clear. Part of the reason that we're even saying these odd things about money and, and, and this particular organization is because, Hey, there's people over in Nigeria that need help. They're missing limbs. They need limbs, you know, and that it, requires money administration skills in order to actually get them limbs and to provide them with real help but but we saw what vom was doing and we saw the level of financial corruption with this organization that had no oversight so this is our attempt at trying to say okay if the church is going to do this how can we do this without falling into those same traps that we saw and one of the ways that we do that is say hey we don't need money right now. We're not going to go and fundraise on people in Nigeria who don't, because we knew we could make a lot of money, and we don't want that, because we don't want to be dealing with that kind of corruption. We want to be helping people.
0: We need to be actively thinking, how do we bring it so that it's associated with the name of Christ? How do we bring it so that we're structured, so that, so that sin is constrained? Hmm. And so often, we don't structure things where sin is constrained. Right.
3: And structure things the way that God in, in the Scripture yes. does it. And, and it, it all works together.
1: And this is what we saw with VOM, is they weren't structured so that there were constraints on sin. And, I mean, you could have had people who were pure as a driven snow, but there was no constraints on their sin, and the sin was going to grow. And this is clearly what was the case with Robbie Zacharias himself, Is and, and you even see it in the documentation and the stories about him, is he didn't have constraints people weren't monitoring his electronic devices they weren't monitoring where he was they weren't monitoring what he was doing in ways that they should have been for somebody of that kind of authority and so you know that but but when and, and a church can commit the same problems it's not like being a church makes you safe from those things
0: but there is but, a kind of a church that will never, never sin
1: <laughs> but you know within a church god has said here are ways that you can do these things. And the point of the church is constraining sin of its members.
0: And one of the things that you, know, you look at, it's interesting because there's such a big push in the church that I've seen over the last few decades of like glorifying the founding of America. And they glorified for a lot of very wrong reasons. But one of the things that is very good and why America has been— sustainable for so long is that the people who wrote the Constitution understood that men sin. And so they intentionally designed it so that there were competing interests everywhere. Because the problem with a ministry like RZIM is there's no competing interest, right? If you take down Ravi, you hurt yourself. But if you have a president of another party and you're able to impeach him and remove him from office, you didn't hurt yourself, you helped yourself. And so the U.S. Constitution, the structure of our government, has all these competing things where the judicial branch competes with the legislative branch, legislative with the executive, the executive with the judicial, and they all compete with the states. And that, I think, was deliberate because they understood sin. And it's pretty sad that in modern ministries, we don't really have an understanding of sin that we say, we should really structure it so that sin doesn't abound, because sin will abound unless you structure it so that it won't. And
1: and really specifically, you know, I don't know how much you want to say they understood sin, but they understood a particular kind of sin. They understood the particular sin of concentrating power in one particular individual or one particular body. So they divided it up. And, And that's been a really big benefit that a lot of us have been blessed by. And this is this is part of
2: where you talk about a church being joined together and a church being a body. Is the different people in the church have interests in different things? I mean, like in our church right now, there are people who they're they're fine with us doing this podcast. But if the podcast started to have any hint of promoting a, a single individual, there are people in the church who would absolutely, <laughs> you know, what I mean, I mean, who would very quickly, you know, what I mean, and like, I mean, and this is the thing when you think about your church. There are people who their interests aren't the same as yours. Sometimes they annoy you because their interests aren't the same as yours. And sometimes that annoyance and that different view is what keeps your sin in check and what keeps their sin in check. I mean, and, and sometimes it's just sin on both your parts and you need to deal with it. But I mean, but you know what I mean is those like you're talking about different interests. They're, they really are. You're serving different roles. You have different. You have different things you want to focus on. And it, and it balances each other.
0: And this is why God said, do not judge another man's servant, is because the church is going to be made up of, if it's a pure church, everybody in there is a servant of God. And right. I'm not saying there's any pure church. But if it's a pure church, they're a servant of God. And when one guy says, well, what I think is the most important thing is to go to the abortion clinic once a week, and I say what I think I should be spending my time with is spending four weeks in Nigeria a year, neither of us should look at the other one and going— boy, you're messing up. You're not doing the right ministry. We're specifically commanded to to respect that and to understand that God is going to give different ministries to different parts of the body, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Right.
1: There might even be a Bible passage about bodies and parts doing different things somewhere. But <laughs> And
0: there's, there's also one about do not judge another man's servant. So yeah, <laughs> we, we hit a couple there. <laughs>
3: I think one thing that people, some people who are listening might be wondering is, well, this is all well and good, but my church doesn't do any of this. And I'm not a pastor of my church. So you're saying I should stop donating to anyone else and just donate to my church. But my church isn't doing any of this. So, so what, what are we telling them?
2: First of all, part of it is, is VOM wasn't either. Right. Part of it, I mean, is that's, you have to remove the illusion. That's what I meant about the whole thing with school is there are these parents who go, I can't homeschool. And then they look, and they run. if they actually understood what went on at school, they would go. School isn't this grand thing that I have to replicate.
0: Darkness makes a lot things look a lot right, better. Right, glo- right. And so
2: there's this part of it where they need to trust the Holy Spirit. Disabuse yourself of the notion that you have to do some glorious, grand thing like these other organizations out there, who in many cases aren't doing grand, glorious things. And the grand, glorious thing that you can do is obey your Lord. And that is grand, and that is glorious, and his spirit will make it grand and glorious. And so when you change the way you think about it, it's very—you know what I mean? It becomes a very different sort of thing.
1: First thing you should be doing is looking at your own church. Because the, the act of giving money like this, of giving it to ministry, in a sense, is you exercising a level of trust. That I'm going to be contributing some of my resources that were gained by my labors, and I'm going to give them to the work of God and look at your local church and you know you need to have some humility in this you need to have judgment but you need to have some humility and say hey how well is my pastor being paid how well are the ministries that our church wants to do being funded you know there's the things that the church already is doing and then there's the vision that the church probably has for hey there's other things that we could do if we had the resources or the manpower does your church have enough money to be doing what it needs to be doing. And you know, you need to be saying, "Hey, can I trust that if I give my money there, it's not going to be squandered in 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 a I mean, that in a pretty egregious sense. Like this is not going to the pastor buying designer shoes. This is actually going towards the work of Jesus Christ. You know, if you can't trust your local church to deal with funds, like God actually says, to give money to your local church, if you can't trust your local church to be doing that, then well, it's time to find a different church.
2: Because if you can't you know, trust would, them with the with the earth with the with the lucre the earthly lucre, you shouldn't trust them with spiritual. That's so you if you you're can't trusting trust them, them with, with your
0: soul, that's right. a lot worse than trusting them with your money. And if you won't trust them with your money, why would you trust them with your soul?
1: Right. Yeah. So in a sense, I mean, but but if you are at a church where you do trust them with your soul. If they are preaching the gospel, if they are doing the ministry of the word, if they are Christian in that sense, then you need to make sure that they are financially able to do what they need to be doing by doing what God says and providing them with the financial resources he's blessed you with.
0: And some of the the reason when people go, well, my church isn't doing these things, my church isn't helping the poor, my church isn't doing this and that, and so... You know, they have plenty of money to pay the pastor, and they have plenty of money to have lights on Sunday morning, and giving them more money, it's just going to build up in the bank account. One of the problems is people think that Jesus Christ came to buy their checkbook and not to buy them. And what I mean by that is, if you think that all you're supposed to do is tithe, and therefore you've fulfilled your responsibility to God, maybe the reason your church isn't doing anything is because you're not doing what you should be doing. Right. And a lot of times when the church isn't doing ministries, it's because just like they've outsourced to voice the martyrs, helping those who are suffering for the faith, allegedly, even like, as you said, Jonathan, they're just actually selling a feeling. But maybe what they've done is instead of saying the church is supposed to be doing the ministry, they've said the pastor's supposed to be doing the ministry. And if you say the pastor's supposed to be doing the ministry and not the church, then why would God give your church money? Why it is squandering resources, even if they're just going to put them in a bank account, it's squandering resources because the reality is the purpose of the church is to edify the congregation for the work of the ministry. And so maybe you should associate your check that you want to give to that ministry. Maybe you should associate it with your labor and go to that church and say, This is what I think the church should be doing. I'll lead this. And by the way, I've I'm gonna increase my donation enough to cover it so you can get this in your budget, but I want it done under the church. And sometimes it's the problem is people in churches tend to be lazy and not to do not to think that Jesus Christ bought them just I get his tithe. Well, That's a really bad deal for God. I think you said that a couple podcasts ago, is that God didn't say, I'm going to give you 100% so that you can return 10 He says, you are my slave, you are my servant, and that we're supposed to be serving him, and not just by giving him 10% of our money. That's just one aspect of that service. Right.
1: But, you know, the other aspect that we really haven't talked about at all in this podcast, but we talked about some when we talked about the industry of the home is God has set up the, the church to do certain levels of ministry, but he's also given responsibilities for ministry to individuals and to homes of a different order, of a different kind. But you know, if you have those extra resources, you need to be saying, what am I doing personally in order to be fulfilling my personal responsibilities? How am I doing on exercising hospitality? How wide open is my hand towards the poor? And maybe you don't n- know any poor and find some. You know, and 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 so what you we're find saying is real poor, right? right I mean, is, it's, it's it, you it know, can't
0: be done slothfully, or you've just shifted and you've just and recreated the, the same reason problem.
1: that we're in this problem is because we were outsourcing things, and we're saying, "Well, start bringing things in house, bring things back into the church, bring things back into your own family." And and it means work, it means some labor, it means research, it means investigation, but but there are other ways to spend your money that are profitable, legitimate, what God says to do with your money, then writing a check to some organization that may or may not be doing what they say, but isn't structured by the the structures of, of a church or, or governed by the same accountability. But part of it is, I mean, pray.
2: Sometimes you sit here and you say, I don't have anything to do. Finding something to do can be your work. That can be your job. And it's hard. I mean, it's... You know, if you if you had to go out tomorrow and figure out something to do to make money, that would be hard work. That would be something hard. This is exactly the same thing. You're just, God is saying, go and find something to do to be industrious for me. Go and look what's being done. Go and look at what's not being done. Where are things that are missing? Where are things that are needed? How can you help? How can you, you know, and, and you don't know how to do it. Train yourself. You don't know where to start. Ask somebody. I mean, There is just really a part of it where you can always cop out. You can always bail out and that's that's always the easy path. And that's why you liked writing a check. That's why I enjoyed writing a check. That's why I mean it was it's so much easier.
0: And so you had mentioned this earlier, Charles, that you said eighty years ago you could see a shift in the constitutions. Well, what was happening in America eighty years ago? There was a really dramatic shift in America where social security came about. Socialism, I mean, we don't consider ourselves a socialist country, but in a lot of ways, we're a very socialist country. You don't get a you know a, a peak tax rate of 40% unless you're a pretty socialist country. I mean, it's really hard to do that unless you're socialist. And the reality is that socialism that happened in our government, it happened in the church at the same time. And what socialism says is you're not responsible for yourself, the society is. And that's the problem that we need to fix in America. That's the problem we need to fix in our churches. That's the problem we need to fix in our in our homes is we have to stop thinking socially and think the society has the responsibility instead of saying, no, we have the responsibility. And I think that's one of the fundamental problems in the church that people don't want to give to the church they go, well, who's going to take the responsibility? And I think, you know, what I'm encouraging is you are. Go take the responsibility. The church is supposed to be doing things. And if it's not doing these things, then you know, get in there, get in the game right. instead of sitting on the sidelines.
2: There's that old adage, decisions are made by those who show up. You know, I mean, ministry is done by those who show up, by those who, that you know, it's it's the same thing as that realization when you're a parent and all of a sudden you realize that everything that your parents had done before, that that you felt like just happened. All of a sudden, you're the show. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't get up in the morning and make breakfast, there's no breakfast on the table. If you don't do these things, it doesn't happen. And guess what? That's the church. Is there's just part of it where it's like, you, we want this thing of we want this beautiful church that's doing all these different things, but we want it without <laughs> us having to lift a finger. And that's just that, not your the case. church
1: doesn't speak to me. It doesn't meet my needs. <laughs> right? Like you are the church. <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: Right. right. I mean, if you're in a if you're in a church that is seeking to follow God, and you are know, a pastor, your elder seeking to follow God, and you're saying and you come and say here's something that I think we should be doing, and I'm willing to donate time and money to it, and they say no, well you should probably listen to why they're saying no, because if they're following God, they might have a reason that you know you need to be working on things in your own life or, or something like that. But churches, I don't think. I don't think if they're following God, they're going to be turning people down who are offering to do things for God's kingdom under the auspices of the church. And
0: it is important. I mean, Jesus Christ, right, he says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow for each day has enough trouble of its own. The reality is in that statement is the idea it's not hard to find ministry to do. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There is enough issues to deal with right now that nobody can really step back and go, if they're actually looking around and go, there's nothing to do, I don't know what I should do, each day has enough trouble of its own.
1: Right. See, so, so, I mean, going back to your question, where do I give my money? I mean, our first answer would be start with your local church. Make sure you're giving to your local church. I'd say next after that is are you fulfilling your personal obligations, doing personal ministry to the extent that God's blessed you and puts things in your path? And if you've got something left over after that, and you're looking where can I give this, our our guess, our next recommendation would be say look at ministries out there that are governed by churches that are extensions of the work of particular local churches that you believe are are honestly spreading the gospel, you know, genuine Bible believing churches. Those are those are safe places, as safe as you can get with giving money. The side of heaven,
0: and and don't just give it without having your eyes open. I mean, we as a church, we give money to one ministry that is a ministry of another church, that is under that church, it's part of that church. And, you know, but we also have encountered them in other places in the world and we know that they're out there and we know what that we have some idea of what they're doing. And so, it's not that we're just closing our eyes and just saying, "Well, I feel good because we sent a check." And the answer might be that you give it to your local church and then your local church gets a big bank account and then blows up because it has love of money, and that's that's better to do that anyway because you're obeying God, right. and trust that God will use it for good. Right.
2: That was kind of yeah. Joshua's point earlier was we're not saying if you do these things there won't be problems. We're saying if you obey God, He will be pleased with the problems that are created because you're doing what He told you to do, and you know and He will
0: bless you through the problems, not bless not, you, by
2: not, acts, not curse you by before, absence of <laughs> for problems, being part of the problem, yeah. right.
0: Well, thank you for listening as we consider uh, what to do with money and what to do with money in the ministry in particular. I want to leave us with the thought of God is a jealous God when we use our money to build up somebody else. We should not expect to be blessed by that. When you build up the local church, when you build up the bride of Christ, when you build up the body of Christ, Christ is getting the glory, and Christ is about his glory. God will be glorified, and he is a jealous God. Thanks for listening. This
2: has been The Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe
1: in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.